Thank you to Wildcare and Wildlife Acoustics for sponsoring the Bat Chat podcast. Can you hear that? We can. Wildlife Acoustics creates the world's leading bat acoustic monitoring tools, designed to help scientists make impactful discoveries for our biologically diverse planet, turning this into this. Visit wildlifeacoustics.com to learn more. Wildcare are committed to supporting the ecology industry and are specialists in supplying a large range of monitoring, conservation and habitat management products, as well as equipment hire and service and repair. With a large range of products coupled with friendly and expert help and advice, Wildcare is a favourite supplier for ecologists nationwide. Go to wildcare.co.uk to see the full range and quote BatChat at the checkout for 10% off all bat detectors and bat boxes. The unmistakable sound of a horseshoe bat. And that particular bat was recorded at a research project just outside of Bath in the southwest whilst visiting James Shipman. James has been involved in bat conservation since 2010, chairing the Berkshire and South Buckinghamshire Bat Group. He established and continues to coordinate a project in Gibraltar called Jibbats, which aims to educate the public and local government about the country's bat populations. And we'll be visiting that project in Bath later on, but I first caught up with James at a Bat Watch Tech event in early August. I'm Steve Rowe, and this is Bat Chat. So we are currently in Newbury in Berkshire, uh, just outside Greenham Common for anyone who knows it. Um, we are looking at bat boxes around here to establish where the pipistrels jars are moving um, and how long they're going to be here for um, and there's a few questions that I would like to ask over the next five to ten years. And how many bat boxes have you got here at this scheme? So between the two areas of the woodland we have 40 boxes in total um, give or take a few um, and we've had quite a lot of recaptures over the years of the bats um, there's a few in particular that are quite nice to see including bats that were ringed as a juvenile and we're now seeing thriving with many females over the years, so it's been uh, quite exciting seeing things develop. And you mentioned ringing there. Just for people at home who don't know how bats are rung, can you just talk to us more about that? So in the UK, uh, bats are ringed slightly different to how birds would be, uh, whereas birds are ringed on their, uh, their foot, where it's a bit harder, they can use pliers. Um, the bats are actually ringed on their forearm, which is part of their wing, and it's used with a, a kind of an aluminium-style ring which you close with your fingers rather than pliers itself, uh, and then you just gently close it until it just runs up and down the forearm itself. And what style of boxes have we got here? Are they typical wooden ones, or are they the, the more concrete-style boxes? Well, to, to be perfectly honest, when we started the project, we, we basically needed to spend some of the back group money. Um, we just got a whole load of Schwiegler boxes that was varying between the flat 1FF boxes and small normal circle ones. And then we put some Kent boxes up as well, just to see what, what we could get. And we had no, no kind of thoughts on where we were placing them. We just put them in a variety of different spaces, heights, orientations, um, just to see what they were using. So, and over the years, we'll hopefully see what they prefer, and if not, where they're going. And why is it you're ringing the bats here? So the main reason we're ringing the, the pipistrels here is just to get an idea of, of how far the pipistrels will move in a, in a fairly large woodland. And what we've found so far is that they seem to keep within a small area of bat boxes. Um, and without spoiling too much in the future, we've got two areas of the woodland and we're hoping to bridge the two populations over the years and see if they can actually merge to a third population or 
keep them as two separate populations, but they may pop in and out. And what other species have actually get in the boxes here? So most people who are quite savvy with the bat world will probably be quite disappointed in knowing that it's just mainly soprano pipistrels. But I like to go for the one that everyone thinks is boring and see if we can find something from there. But you often get some rarities, like a long-eared bat. And I say rarity because they very seldom use the boxes here. And we've had one occasion where a group of natterers turned up and ruined my data of a con- <laughs> con- continuous use of a box by a single male. And I haven't seen him since. So we do get a few just pop up here and there. And what is it about bats that you love so much? So I think the reason I like bats so much is probably because we will never know everything about bats. So you can study them for all of your life and not know everything. I think certain animals, you know you can study and find everything you may need to find out about them. But bats, there are certain things I don't think we'll ever know. And that's what I quite like. So tonight we're headed over to Bath to catch bats as part of a research project. What's that project all about? So the project that we're involved with tonight, um, it mainly involves the studies and movements of the greater horseshoe bats in Bath and surrounding areas, both in hibernation and during swarming season. Uh, It's run under the licence of Fiona Matthews, and it's been done for many years, and it's starting to actually find some really useful data, which is nice because I think there's been some questions on why we've been doing this over the years. But now we're starting to see this kind of spider web pattern of where they're moving it's becoming quite exciting but as a lot of bat workers who know me they will know fully well that I think the most important aspect of some of this swarming uh, some of these swarming surveys is the training element of it and the amount that you can get from just the species diversity as well as the handling and um, identification side of it uh, that speaks a thousand words really. And just for people at home who might not know what autumn swarming is, are you able to briefly sum that up well, for us? Well, as um, some of you who know, know a bit about bats, uh, you'll know there was a swarming conference uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, but those of you who don't know what swarming is, it depends on how you look at it. I think it was concluded that it's more likely to be that swarming is based on bats getting together in the autumn period to um, get together and mate. Um, but other... Uh, bat enthusiasts and bat specialists will probably tell you that uh, it could be that it's a bit of both it's both for the mating but also the young that follow their mothers to these sites will then possibly know where to hibernate in the winter as well I'm kind of, I've realised we're just going along going to where the boxes are and actually we we could have just gone that way and you mentioned there you think it's important to, to do training for the next generation of bat workers why do you think the next generation about workers is so important and why do we need that continuation into the future? I think it's, it's really hard because to answer this question it can sound quite rude towards older generations but I think like everything in the world everything is changing quite drastically but I think that it's always important in any area of, of, of science or sports that you install that passion in kids at a younger age and if you can install it at a younger age they're the ones that will carry it forward and I think with the way the world is going and plastic stuff like that it's important that we kind of install this interest in in the environment and conservation now really. How are we catching the bats tonight? So we're using a couple of um, methods to catch the bats tonight so we're at a cave entrance Um, we're using a harp trap at one of the entrances which allows the bats to to fly in with no distress they drop into a small bag 
and if they're that tired um, and that bothered by being in there they actually will sometimes go into a mild torpor a hibernation state um, and then we're using a net on another one so we don't completely cover the uh, entrance completely we allow a bit of space above and below so the bats can move through and we only catch it, uh, capture a, a small percentage of the bats in there and by doing so we can then uh, identify what species we have um, if we've got a keen eye we can then split a couple of the species which are a bit harder to identify and then with the netting itself it's slightly more awkward than a harp trap you have to spend a bit more time untangling the bat from the net uh, the bats can get slightly more distressed from this method but it's completely harmless if you know exactly what you're doing so a number of projects here in the UK spanning a number of counties, but you've also been doing work over in Gibraltar, setting up a project there. Can you give us a brief history on, on what, that was, what, what that was and what it's all about now? So the, the project in Gibraltar was, well originally I used to go there as a kid on holiday to Gibraltar quite a lot. And we used to go there because you could speak English, it was quite easy to uh, have conversations and, and go around most of the area. And then as I got older I... If I'm perfectly honest, I got a bit sick of politics within back groups um, and decided to go and learn something a bit different and try and inspire some people in an area that may not have as much in, uh, knowledge on bats in Europe. So in 2013, in collaboration with the, the museum and the local ornithological historical society, we set up Jib Bats and we found a new species on Halloween 2013, which then kick-started the project. And what sort of species do you get over there that you don't get here? So other than uh, all of the species we have in the UK, uh, you also get the uh, Tadarida, which is the European free-tailed bat. You get the Greater Noctual, which some people may be aware actually eat uh, night-flying passerines. Um, we also get the Iberian Natteras, is uh, basically the Escalari, Myotis Escalari, and it's the shape of the foot that differs slightly to the Natteras we have in the UK. Uh, we also get the Cool's Pipistrelle over there, which is quite a nice bat. It's like very similar in size to the Nathusius Pipistrelle, um, but slightly meatier and a bit more aggressive, I would say. Um, but I would say the most exciting bat that, that I've seen over there, which kick-started the Jib Bats project, was the um, Isabelline Serotine, so the Eptesicus Isabellinus. And that's basically like our Serotine in the UK, but it's this beautiful golden colour, more golden than a noctua is. And where do you see bat conservation going in the UK moving forwards? Uh, I think after doing various trips around Europe and seeing different countries, I think that bat conservation in the UK is always going to thrive. There seems to be more interest in bats in the UK than a lot of other industries. Um, and I think, particularly with consultancy, what I've noticed is there's always a need for, for bat workers in consultancy, so there will always be an interest in bats. And finally, which three words would you use to describe the bat conservation movement? Inspire the youth. Uh, I think if we can't get kids obsessed with bats or get people obsessed with bats at a younger age, then why, why, we find it a lot harder when they get older. <laughs> Great stuff. We'll catch up with you later tonight, James. Yeah, look forward to it, Steve. So it's now the early hours of the morning and before sunset we drove over to Bath and we've been located in a woodland this evening and the guys beside me are just processing the last few bats of the evening which we've caught in mist nets and you can probably hear a disgruntled lesser horseshoe in the background. 
The mist nets have been positioned over the entrances to some rift caves to catch the bats coming to swarm, and so it's quite uneven underfoot moving between the processing station and the mist nets. And I'm just going to interrupt James here if he's got a second. So what have we caught tonight? We've caught many bats. <laughs> <laughs> no, so this evening um, we had two teams set up on three caves. So on one of the sites we had um, lesser horseshoe bats, uh, whiskered brants, Dorbentons, and a single male serotine. At the other site, with the two two traps, we had uh, whiskered brants, uh, natteras, greater horseshoe, lesser horseshoe, brown long-eared, and potentially aquathery, but we're yet to see. And James tells me that the numbers of horseshoe bats hibernating in the rift caves this winter were lower during the annual survey and felt it may be a result of the warm winter weather this year, but also noted it was interesting to see numbers were low when cavers had just been in the system an hour before the survey. If you're interested in getting involved with your local bat group, now's the perfect time as they all start planning their events for the coming summer period. To find your local bat group, head to the link in the show notes below. Local bat groups undertake all sorts of activities from winter hibernation surveys to public bat talks and walks in the summer, caring for grounded or injured bats, surveying local nature reserves, keeping records of bats across their counties and managing various bat bot schemes. Most bat groups have details of how to join on their website, which you can find from the link in the show notes. Next time we're with Staffordshire Bat Group in the Churnet Valley on the hunt for small myotis bats. Now lots of you have seen me in branded t-shirts and hoodies with the Batchat logo on and you've all been asking me when they'll be available. Well, we're thrilled to let you know that a whole range of Batchat clothing and tote bags is now available for you on our T-Mail store. The link's in the show notes. Whether you're a long-time supporter or a new member of the Batchat family, we can't wait for you to share your photos of you wearing our merch on social media. Be sure to tag the Bat Conservation Trust in your posts. If you're listening to Batchat on Google Podcasts, we wanted to let you know that Google have announced they plan to discontinue their app later this year, so we recommend making the switch to an alternative podcast app, and we've put some links in the show notes to alternative apps that you can follow Batchat on so that you don't miss any future episodes.